Welcome to the Curiosity Key Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Wyman, and I'm a B2B business development strategist, LinkedIn trainer, and curious thinking advocate. So what is curious thinking? Well, I believe that when you approach your business and your career by being more curious about what's going on around you, you'll enjoy what you're doing more, engage more with others around you, learn more, and be able to do more. It's not just about asking more questions either. It's about asking the right questions that will unlock all the potential opportunities around you. And this podcast aims to help you learn from other curious thinkers about how you can grow your business, get your idea off the ground, pioneer change, and more. This week's guest is Jana Dowling, an incredibly inspirational and determined individual on a mission to get people to take their mental fitness and well-being as seriously as their physical fitness. In this episode, Jana talks about how she started her company, Arkeo, from scratch, the mentors and people that have helped her turn her idea into reality, her journey and experiences obtaining investment, launching an MVP, and the lessons she's learned along the way. There are so many takeaways from this interview, loads of insights and ideas we can all use in our own businesses. So I hope that you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Now, if you're listening on the go, don't panic about taking notes as I've summarized key points from this interview, which are available in the show notes on my website. Just go to charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Enjoy. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast. And I'm joined with Jana Dowling of Arkeo. So welcome, Jana. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. So I'm really excited about this podcast because Jana has an absolutely fascinating journey and is at a really, really exciting stage of her business. So before I start whittering on with lots of questions and things like that as well, uh, do you want to just explain a little bit about um, Arkeo and your background and kind of like what it what it was that made you kind of go down uh, this journey, really? Sure. Uh, so I've built Arkeo and we empower individuals and organizations to take control of their mental fitness. Uh, we basically do that through a tracking system that I've built. I've built a tracking system that measures mental fitness. So we've built a measure for mental fitness, which is cool. Um, we go into organizations. So we're B2B and B2C. Um, and we go into organizations, license our tech, feedback, aggregate anonymous data. And for the first time ever, organizations will be able to see exactly what employees are managing with their lives on a day-to-day basis. Um, Obviously, it's all completely anonymous, which is great. Uh, But that data is going to be really fascinating because organizations will be able to layer that on top of their processes to see if the processes of their organization are actually causing low mental fitness symptoms. And then obviously, we bring in training to help as well. Um, So that's what we deliver for organizations. But from a BC point of view, our app tracks measures mental fitness and it's sort of an active management tool a prevention tool and an improvement tool uh for keeping your brain fit so why is mental fitness so important uh, well mental fitness is really important i think this so this is something that i i speak about and that i've sort of developed um personally myself and i think that mental fitness basically is the same as physical fitness um we all have it it goes up and down at different points of the day week month year in our lives and it's impacted by lifestyle life events and um world events um so lifestyle sorry what i mean is life experiences not life events um and all of those experiences that happen to us impact our ability to manage our day-to-day life The most important thing I always look at is that we will change our sleeping patterns, our eating patterns, our socializing patterns, alcohol, whatever, so that we can 
run a marathon for one day. Just run a marathon for one day. You know, maybe you're raising money for charity or you're getting a medal or something. But you'll change all of those things to achieve that goal. But if you want a promotion, uh, you want to, um, you know, achieve something uh, else in your life uh, or your relationships aren't going well, work's not going well, um, things are sort of becoming more difficult around you, you don't look to track and change those things uh, in the same way. It's really, really fascinating because I've always found it really interesting what motivates different people. It's interesting that you brought up the marathon side of things because I did the Everest Base Camp track last year and there was a woman on our track that she'd run marathons in the past. She made a point of wearing her marathon t-shirts every day of the track but did no training and then moaned the whole track. It's like, why would you approach a 12-day hike with no training? It's just like, it blew my mind. <laughs> this is the thing. And, and the thing is, is that we, we're so used to talking about it from a physical point of view. But when it comes to a mental point of view, we don't. And it's incredibly simple. What I've built is very, very simple. It's almost laughably simple. Um, because what we need to do is we do need to start actively tracking our ability for our brain to manage life and our lifestyle. Um, so that we can achieve our goals. You know, it's, it's, it's so strange for me that we've got to this point in our life where tracking your mental fitness in the same way as your physical fitness that hasn't existed until now, until I've built it. And so, yeah, I mean, managing your brain and its ability to function is arguably more important than your physical fitness. Your physical fitness plays a part, obviously. Um, but, you know, the levels of pressure and stress that I'm under now in my life, um, I enjoy all of it and I enjoy all of it because I can manage it, but I manage it based on things are happening to me. I react to them and I change things in my life. I change my behaviors so that I can manage them better. It's very simple. I love it. And sometimes the simplest things are the most effective because we're always looking for the most complicated solution for something when it, it doesn't really need to be that way. Now, you don't have a technical background at all, yet your business is a it's a new tech startup. It's an app. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in developing an app. And um, yeah, I'll say I'll save my next question for afterwards. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, it was about I, I've always my background has been in um, television, publishing, um, all that kind of stuff. So fashion. I've never ever worked in corporate or tech. Um, I don't even have a degree. Um, but uh, I two and a half years ago, three years, almost three years ago. I was working in TV. I was working for Channel 5, uh, making a TV show. And um, I was also doing stand-up. So I was working full-time. And then three nights a week, I was sort of starting on the stand-up scene. So I was sort of doing lots of gigs around London. And um, I just, I went to Edinburgh, did a 20-minute set in Edinburgh. Everything went really well. Kind of thought that I was a really cool human at that point in my life. Uh, so I thought I was doing really well. Uh, <laughs> I got back from Edinburgh and I just started to, feel bad I just I didn't want to do anything I lost interest in anything I stopped doing my stand-up I was literally sitting at work being like I cannot wait to get into bed by 7 30 like that was my goal for the day was to get back into bed at 7 30 um obviously my friends were, and family pointed out that it wasn't really normal for me to be behaving that way so I went to the doctors got diagnosed with depression got given antidepressants which I just took immediately I didn't really read the back packet or anything um 
And the side effects while I was at work just hit me really hard. I couldn't focus. I I really just couldn't even think. It's really weird to think back. It was like trying to think was like wading through mud. It was just really hard work. Um, and I was one of, um, I think, 100,000 or 10,000 people that got a uh, side effect that was uh, an involuntary yawn, which was great. Yeah. So I was had like having to do a full-on yawn every three minutes. I don't know if you've uh, ever tried to hide a yawn in a meeting or... Quite challenging, yep. <laughs> yeah, you can't do it. You just can't do it. Uh, so I just threw the pills in the bin. Six weeks later, I had a severe depressive episode. So I spent five weeks under 24-hour watch as a high-risk suicide patient. I had every mental health issue you could possibly think of. I was agoraphobic, anorexic, obviously suicidal. And um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And as I was coming out of my episode... I uh, realized the impact of what happened to me. It didn't just happen to me. It happened to my friends, it happened to my family. It happened to my work colleagues. I literally just didn't show up to work one day. Um, I obviously wasn't well enough to go back to work. So I kind of took my recovery on like a job and I started tracking everything I was doing. And I built a system where I could see all my behaviors. I could see all my symptoms and everything I was doing. Uh, on one one A4 page over a month of my life. And I used the data that I was collecting to make decisions. I didn't make decisions based on how I felt or what I thought because how I felt and what I thought was actually wrong. Um, and so I used the data. I followed my data. I got myself back to work. Somebody uh, helped me out and gave me a job when I was still a bit shaky, uh, got myself back on my feet. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up setting, a, setting up a social enterprise. So um, that social enterprise is, I don't want to go on too much about it because I'll, I'll be talking forever. <laughs> um, but the, that was the process of me building my tracking system. Um, and then I set up a social enterprise, help people with mental health issues, get back into work using that tracking system. And then obviously the next logical step, because it worked, uh, was to turn it into tech and, and make it available to everybody. It's such a remarkable story and something, you know, I, for all of our listeners, I will include links in the show notes as well to learn a little bit more about the social enterprise and uh, Jana's story and everything because it's absolutely fascinating. Okay. Um, so talk to us a little bit. So you, you had this tracking system. You managed to get yourself out of this this situation, which in itself is absolutely incredible. You know, I've I, I've known quite a lot of people that have been unable to, to do anything. So, you know, a, a huge inspiration to people. Um so how how did you go about turning your tracking system into an app like with no tech experience what was that process that you went down uh, so I was again very lucky um I met uh two people that really helped me and got behind me who work in tech um actually they work in digital like SEO sort of stuff so sort of that side of things uh, but had experience and have connections with people who are developers um and because what I built was a tracking system based on numbers and it was, it's just data collection. So it's not really incredibly complicated in its most basic form. Um, I met a guy called Dan. Actually, he took a phone call from me. He was a contact of, of one of these people that was helping me. He's called Dan Newman and he's from Green Squid Solutions. And he literally, he's the, the best developer ever. I spoke to him on the phone as somebody with no knowledge and, and no language. Uh, in terms of what I wanted and uh, we met up and he just built it for me so I had the easiest route in um, because I had this amazing human that that just could see my vision could see what I was building and got behind it and was like I'm gonna help you do this because 
I believe in it and I want to help. Um, so, so that's how we sort of started building our MVP was Dan listening to me having conversations and me drawing out what it needed to be. But I guess because I had the tracking system already in place, it's, it was a, an easier way of translating what I needed, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And what what is your vision? Because I, I wanted to ask this earlier. What is your vision for the company? You've told me this before, which I think is um, absolutely brilliant. It's like very ambitious, but I love it. So, yeah. How, yeah. how do you want oh, people to uh, talk about Arkeo in the future? So yeah, so we're basically, we're building the measure of mental fitness. We're building a measure of mental fitness and we're going to become a global fitness brand. We actually are building a global fitness brand at the moment. We're not just um, a tech company. Um, we are sort of the full package um, and there are lots of different arms that we're building in at different times. Um, but yeah, we want to get uh, within the next 10 years, 15 years, I don't know how long I need to put on it, but a billion people on this planet tracking their mental fitness. Really, we want to build a sort of, it's almost going to be like a, a Nike for your brain um, because it's really important that we all start engaging in tracking our mental fitness in the same way we do our physical fitness. And there is a huge amount of power in mental fitness. Um, and I think that right now, all people talk about is mental health, mental well-being. I don't even know what mental well-being means. They're just words. Um, when, when I say mental health and I do my training sessions, you know, 90% of the time, people say diagnosing words. The way we talk about people who have mental health issues right now is, is very uh, disempowering for them. Uh, and uh, what I've built is actually not for the one in four who has a diagnosis. What I've built is for all of us that we can start taking control because two-thirds of the workforce experience mental health issues. That's 21.8 million people in this country. Um, so actually, it's very normal to experience mental, like, mental health issues, um, and the best way to treat that is by tracking and managing it yourself. So, yeah, I guess that's the vision. Yeah, I love it because I think for, for me, I really, really hate medication and I hate, you know, the fact that everybody's instant reaction is to go straight down the uh, medicated route and to kind of like suppress a lot of these things rather than deal with the actual, you know, sort of cause behind it or, and find a different way of helping people manage it, which is why I'm so intrigued uh, <laughs> and interested in, in what it is that you're doing. Because uh, for me, I just think that yeah, you don't always need to go down the medicated route. There are other ways. and Yeah, well, there's three ways you treat mental health issues in the UK today. It's medication, therapy, and lifestyle. Uh, and you can use all three, one, two, whatever, but you have to do one. And the one thing that we are completely in control of is our lifestyle. And again, something that I noticed about myself is like companies have so much data on us. Organizations know more about us than we do. And from a sort of consumer point of view, fine. We don't necessarily need to know that about ourselves. But we spend more time with ourselves than anyone else. And when we go to a doctor and say, we've got this issue, what are we bringing the doctor? We're bringing the doctor like six minutes of explaining your situation with no real data or knowledge of what's happened in terms of uh, tracking yourself. Uh, I hear loads of people saying, I was misdiagnosed or the doctors are this and that and blah, blah. And I'm like, but what are you bringing the doctor? What are you bringing to help yourself and a doctor diagnose you, even if you need a diagnosis? Uh, a lot of the time you don't need a diagnosis, but you can have a period of your life where you do experience, uh, you know, low mood or agitation. Um, and there are things that you can do yourself to alleviate those symptoms um, and manage it yourself. So 
for me, it's about taking responsibility and ownership and going, oh, actually, you know what? I'm snapping at people a lot and I've been snapping at people a lot for a week. What's going on? And then I can make a small adjustment and it's gone. Yeah. And there's so much power in asking yourself those questions because one of my uh, sort of like main mantras in life is that, you know, with every single challenge in life, there's always an opportunity. You've just got to ask yourself the right questions to find out what that opportunity is. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it does revolve around ownership and responsibility. You know, instead of go straight to that, oh, right, who can I blame for this happening to me? Whether it's, you know, I blame the fact that I've been diagnosed with this problem. I blame the fact that I'm, you know, feeling this way. I blame somebody else or the company or whatever. It's like, right, okay, instead of blaming that person, how can I take ownership of it myself? And how can I make the situation better? So absolutely Absolutely. love it. Yeah, taking action, positive action. (coughs) Because the thing is, it's also we're really powerful humans. You know, just because you have a, a mental health... I mean, I'm diagnosed bipolar disorder. Elon Musk has bipolar disorder. Stephen Fry has bipolar disorder. There are huge amounts of very successful people out there that have bipolar disorder uh, and many others. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that's my life. Um, obviously, I've built tech that does track these things. So I have to talk about it a lot, but it's not who I am. It's just part of who I am. And it's the same thing as somebody with diabetes. Somebody with diabetes can't go out, drink what they want, do whatever they want all the time. They have to tre- check in with their blood sugar levels more than the average human. Uh, it's the same thing with somebody with diagnosis. Check in with your mental health more, uh, your mental fitness more than the average human because you need to. Um, and again, going to the medication. Medication is not right for you. You don't like it. It's not for you, but it is for some other people. I take medication every day. And the medication I take is a mood stabilizer. It's exactly the same medication as somebody with epilepsy takes. Somebody with epilepsy's brain doesn't really like make all the chemicals and hormones in it properly. And the output of that is a seizure. It's the same with mine, except the output of mine is my ability to experience mania and depression. Now, I know which one I'd rather have and which one's less frightening to me. Um, But uh, there's something about mental health issues and mental health diagnosis that just has this ridiculous stigma attached to it where if you have it, you're useless or you're not powerful. But that then feeds into the person who has them. And then you can use it as an excuse. And that equally is just not acceptable to me. You know, I've gone from being suicidal um, to selling tea and toasties out of a shed for my tech start, uh, for my social enterprise and having a tech startup. So, you know, you can really can achieve whatever you want, regardless of whether you've done it before or not. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% behind you on that. Um, And I hope a lot of our listeners are uh, kind of listening in saying, you know what, that's awesome. And yeah, I can achieve anything that I want to. Um, So just going back to the tech startup. So you you found um, Dan, Mm -hmm. who helped you develop this app, this MVP. What what happened next? So you've got the MVP, um, you've kind of tested the tracker on people manually. Um, What was your next step? so the next step was really to start building um, the organization and start raising funds um, so that I could actually build the tech out properly. You know, Dan, Dan worked very hard in his spare time and, you know, we're all humans, we need to pay our rent. So I needed to, um, yeah, raise capital, I guess. Um, but before raising capital, I really had to weed out exactly what I needed to do and exactly what the company would produce um, and what our product and services were. because. It, at the very beginning, when you're building something, you can have lots of ideas. And obviously, my vision is very big. Uh, but actually, you need to really, really whittle it down to what are people going to buy? 
what what's the market uh how many of them are out there what do they usually spend on it are people even spending money on this you know because it's quite a new thing um so really establishing where i was going to go with the company and how it would run because it's one thing building something and going oh this is amazing here it is people using it and it's helpful and then it's another thing going well how are we actually going to turn this into a business and how are we going to make money from this so for me the next thing was really focusing on our markets and our business plan and figuring out exactly what uh so for example for me obviously from a b2b point of view what the heads of hr needed and what organizations need from my tech for them to buy it in um so that was the next part and then i went into raising um seed funding brilliant and did you have help to uh, understand more, especially from the B2B field? Because you said that that wasn't really your um, sort of area of expertise. Did you get help um, with that process? Yeah. So basically I had two, I had two people working with me. One's called Russell McCarthy and the other one's called Matt Phelan. Um, Matt Phelan was the first person, well, Matt and Russell were the first people I spoke to that were like, we're going to help you do this. Um, and they basically worked side by side with me and pointed me in the right direction. Both of them have uh, run their own companies before and have experience um, in the digital world, like I call it, uh, tech land. Um, but uh, they really helped steer me in the right direction. Without them, I would have been completely lost. I wouldn't have had any kind of understanding of the process of what I needed to do. Um, and they gave me really valuable advice and they gave me their time as well, which was which was incredible because they literally just carved out time to have meetings with me based on the fact that they were excited about what I was building. Um, so I think finding advisors and finding people who have knowledge that you don't have is what was invaluable to me. There's no way I'd be sitting here without those two. And were these, uh, were these people already in your existing network or did you have to kind of go out and find them? Um, well, those two were, were kind of from an existing network, um, but a very loose existing network. Um, Russell actually came to one of my training days, my mental fitness training days. Um, and then he was like, you need to speak to Matt about this. Uh, so that was that. But they expanded my network as well. So they put me in lots of in touch with lots of other humans that could look at my decks and give me feedback and all of that kind of stuff. So really, they opened up a whole world for me. But uh, a lot of the stuff I did as well on LinkedIn was invaluable, like just putting out, sending out requests or sending out, you know, asking for people's help. Um, because actually you'd be surprised at how many people will help you uh, if you ask for the help. Uh, obviously in a very nice polite way <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing that I think a lot of people yeah. just think oh I, I need to give something away or uh, I can't ask for help because people are, are always going to think that um, I'm not genuine or whatever but it's that kind of age-old saying it's like if you don't ask you don't get and you know what's the yeah. worst that can happen by putting yourself out there exactly and, and actually recently I've been getting loads of people asking me uh to mentor them because they've seen what I've done and and my my feedback to them is like I'm not the right person to mentor you I'm still on my journey and I'm still not actually established yet so you want to find somebody who's in the industry that's done what you want to do already maybe in a slightly different way if you're building something that's completely brand new but have somebody that's achieved what you want to achieve um, and then just approach them and ask them, you know, for their help and, and ask them with knowledge of them saying, listen, I know you've done this. I'm this person. I'm setting this thing up for this reason. Uh, you know, do you have five minutes for coffee, quick coffee or something or chat on the phone? Um, 
and that that has actually served me very well I've got a lot of my contacts have come from LinkedIn and, and just literally asking someone for some help yeah what you have achieved in a very short period of time is quite remarkable though I have to say <laughs> you know um there's because I do uh, I'm one of the business mentors for Tech Manchester and there's a lot of people that kind of come through that program and there's a lot of people that I speak to that are on this journey of trying to start a business set up a business and these things take time uh, but yeah so when did you launch this MVP uh, so we started building it in September. We did like some really secret beta testing till about uh, February. And then we made some changes and we launched MVP um, in April, I think, March, April, April. Um, and we got, so I just put a video up on LinkedIn saying, hey, I've built this thing. Um, and we had 500 downloads in 24 hours. Um, and so then I didn't say anything about it because that's enough people to use your MVP. <laughs> Um, and and since then we've we've got ourselves up to a thousand users, but that's just literally word of mouth. Like we're not doing anything, um, and the data we're collecting from that has proven that our tech works, which is what we need to then go into organisations and say, hey, listen, seventy eight percent of our users say this helped them, and it's MVP. It doesn't actually do very much apart from record um, and give you a score, um, but it's it's useful even in its MVP form, and that's where. Um, the power and the gravitas comes from being able to then say you need to pay for this service <laughs> because we know it works um but yeah it, it's 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 been very very quick but it again it's great I get to sit here and talk about it but there are a huge amount of people that have helped me uh you know there's Dan Matt you know I mean I literally could list like 30 people that have given me their time and helped me and coached me and given me their advice or introduced me to somebody else. Um, so the key is network. It's your network. Um, and your network is what you build it to be. It's not, oh, what can someone else give me? It's what what can you build your network? How do you do that yourself? Um, and uh, so things have happened very quickly because of that reason. And also I think that right now it's very timely what I'm building and I am building something that's uh, different to anything that's out there. Um, and perhaps a little bit more attractive in, you know, quite a tough environment to be in for um, the majority of us to use. Yeah. And you talked about uh, going for funding as well. And this is something that we spoke about before, because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of data out there about, you know, sort of female founded companies don't get access to all the funds. Yeah. And, um, you know, that even tech startups, it's really difficult to get to get funds. I mean, I know a lot of male uh, founded tech companies that are really struggling to get get funded. So, yeah. again, in, in the short period of time that you've been working on this, you've managed to get seed funding. So can you yeah. walk us through that process? and tell us a little bit about how you approached it okay so uh I approached it head on like I do most things and I'm a bit of a bull in a china shop like I'll just do it um you know I don't have an experience so I've just got to put my best out there and see what happens um and you know I, I've had a lot of no's I had a lot of no's but then I got those couple of yeses um and I think for me the process was was building a really solid business plan and a really strong valuation and a really strong understanding of the valuation because that's what you get questioned on a lot, especially, I mean, my tech hasn't been fully developed yet and I don't have a background and we don't have clients. So it is difficult to find the valuation, um, but finding something that people feel comfortable with from both sides is really important. Um, but I mean, I must have had like built like 50 different versions of my deck. You know, like constantly evolving, constantly changing, constantly taking feedback. Um, 
And really all you need to do is get yourself in front of someone. If you know about your organization and you know what it can do and you have proof and you you know there's a market out there to go to and there's proof that that market exists, uh, then people are either like yes or no. And I am incredibly high risk, not just because I've never done any of this stuff before in my whole life. I don't really know what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. But also, you know, I'm a new product. So uh, really, you have to find those people that are passionate about what you're doing um, and are interested in the field you're going into and can see the potential. So half the battle is actually finding those people and getting in front of those people. I think when it comes to gender, um, I'm really lucky. I haven't really had that much gender disparity. I I do see it. I I never really consider myself as a, a sole female founder of a tech startup until I started raising seed investment. Everything else everyone behind me, majority of people that are helping me are, are guys, you know, so no one I know really cares anything about any of that stuff. Um, so I think when it comes to raising seed investment, uh, I did come across a few things that were clearly different for how I was being spoken to, to how, how men were being spoken to. Um, but whatever, like you just crack on. Like, I don't know, there's there's so much you could say, oh, this and that. I mean, somebody did say, oh, it's so lovely to see a beautiful woman pitch, which was so insulting because it was like reducing me to my looks. But also, thanks so much, sir. I don't really care. Like you can spend your time, you know, going, oh, this isn't happening for me. This isn't working for me because of this reason or this reason. Or you can spend your time going, hmm, that's interesting or that's irrelevant. Uh, how can I build my deck and how can I speak to more of the people who are interested, who don't care that I'm a woman and, and all those kind of things. So for me, it's focusing on, was focusing on getting in front of the right people. And again, that was network. And a lot of that was LinkedIn. A lot of the videos I post generate some kind of interest. Other people share them with other people. And and then that sort of, it all snowballs. Um, so it is really tricky and it is really tough. And you just, if you're doing it yourself, you can completely 100% do it. Just be prepared to, you know, you have to be persistent and you have to adapt. If you're going to pitch something and someone says there's a fundamental flaw in there, obviously you don't have to take everyone's advice. But if they're right, if you do your research and they're right, change it. Don't doggedly sit there and say, well, no, because this was my first plan. You know, change it and adapt it. Because actually, usually if people are giving you feedback and they can bother to give you feedback, they're actually trying to help you. Oh, 100%. It's the worst thing in the world where you go into a room and everybody's silent. Um, It was was always the thing that really used to annoy me about sales, um, especially like high-tech B2B sales. So you go into a room, you sort of like pitch the the product, you pitch the solution, and everybody's then silent. Um, And I just treat no feedback as the worst type of feedback because you can't work with it. You can't do anything with it. Um, So at least negative feedback, you can do something with it yeah you can you, you don't have to it. listen to it but it's yeah. useful yeah and I think that you know having that sort of um ability to adapt and move and 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 sort of change not change your pitch but see what that person actually wants and that person's value is important but also the other thing I did is I didn't ask for a lot of money from a lot of people I mean I didn't ask for a lot of money from a few few amount of people I actually went out and said look if you want to invest 10k in my company you can do that Um, And I think that, you know, from somebody in my position, that was the best way to go about it. Because again, I am high risk. 
Um, and you'll be surprised at how many people out there have a little bit of money that they do want to invest. And, and you get quite a few people giving you a little bit of money and it actually ends up being a lot of money. Um, so that for me was sort of my technique for bringing in um, my seed funding. Uh, and also don't, don't overfund, don't overfund around. Like you don't need to, you can keep yourself bootstrapped. Like I would keep yourself bootstrapped for as long as you possibly can until you have clients revenue and you know so much going on that you 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 need full-time employees on payway you don't have them you know freelancing is is completely normal for most people there's lots of ways that you can limit your burn rate and that means you retain control because once you've got seed investment you know you've then got to build stuff out and sign contracts but you know getting revenue in is takes time so it's all about i think not going too big because people are like oh, i want to raise this much money and you're like but do you actually need it i think that's that was a question i had to ask myself a lot what do you think the yeah what do you think is the reason behind that people going in and wanting too much money too soon i think firstly because i think you don't really i mean i didn't really understand uh, especially not having a background in tech i didn't really understand how much money i needed to do things and when you ask people to get quotes people tend to be like oh well I'll build you this for this much money and then you just take that for face value but actually when you then go down and you speak to somebody who's you know a coder they'll be like no that's you know that's not you don't need to spend that kind of money so I think it's about understanding exactly how much things cost when you don't have experience like I don't you need to ask a lot of people um and you need to take the advice of people that have done it before um but I think also, you know, we have a propensity to be like, if I can raise half a million, that means that my company's worth more. And there's something right now in, in the press where everyone's like, this is how much money I've raised. And that means my company's going to be successful. But it doesn't. It makes it does not mean anything. You can raise 60 grand and your company can be more successful than someone that's raised 3 million. You know, I heard about a, a tech startup that raised 3 million, spent 3 million in three years on POC and then got POC and ran out of money. And everyone was like, we're not giving you any money because you've spent three million in three years. So, you know, you just think that I personally, my opinion, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm just learning as I'm going, is that, you know, keep yourself bootstrapped and as tight as you possibly can until you release your product, until you're turning over. But even then, grow your company bootstrap. Like, why would you not do that? It makes your makes your company more um, linear. Makes you make sure your processes are really slick. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's so it, again, it's it, raising money is like oh, I can put myself on this salary so I can change my life. But I don't want to do that because I would rather spend the next five years living, you know, as I'm living, and then take a massive earnout from that then be like, oh, I can put myself on this big salary and, you know, buy a new car or whatever. So I think there's there's lots of different things. But personally, I'm happy to take the hit on on money and take the pressure of that on my shoulders um, until I'm turning over. Yeah. So what's, um, what's the next step for you? Because you've got you've got seed funding, you're still in bootstrap mode, you've got all of the data and the success from the MVP. So what, what are your next steps? So our next steps are we're moving into signing our first clients, which is happening right now. So we're doing lots of pictures, lots of conversations about that. I am bringing on people to help me do that as well. Because again, it's something I don't have experience in and you can't just walk into 
HSBC and talk like I'm talking and expect that contract to be signed. Um, so I'm I'm learning about that right now at a rate of knots. Uh, we're planning on signing our clients and launching in sort of September, October time. Um, we're sort of our, our pilot or our version one of what we're doing. Um, and we've got loads of really exciting, you know, connections and partnerships happening. We've just been accepted into Barclays um, Eagle Labs in Shoreditch for their health tech hub. And then there's another tech accelerator that's a sports tech accelerator that um, we've been um, accepted into that I'm not allowed to say what it is yet. Um, but so, so there's lots of things happening. But the next thing for me, my only focus right now is signing those clients and turning over. Um, but also we're building our tech out to version one. So I'm also running that as well. <laughs> I forget. Brilliant. And can people, uh, you know, on the B2C version, you know, can our listeners sort of download and use your tracker now? Is it is it something that, you know, you can access and, and use? Yeah, yeah. So you can download it on uh, Google and um, iOS and it's uh, called My Archeo. Uh, and it's free to download right now. It's MVP, so it basically tracks for you, gives you a score, and then shows you a very small amount of your data. But we're building out so you'll be able to see all your data granulated, set targets to change behaviors, alleviate symptoms, um, and, it, and it will signpost you. There's lots of different functions that it will do to uh, help you manage your mental fitness. Um, but right now it's MVP, and yeah, you can just download it for free. After we've built version one, there'll be a very small fee for it. Um, because I don't want to run my app by uh, adverts um, and because I think, you know, the data and everything is completely anonymous and I just don't want anyone else to be putting their information um, into, you know, your My RKO space, basically. Funny, actually, lots of people uh, talk about whether you should monetize an app or not. And for me, I'm like, if you, if you run a company and you have an app, you need to charge for it. Even if it's nominal, like even if it's a small amount, you know, there's a lot that goes into running it that needs to be covered. It's been interesting watching the journey uh, that a lot of businesses have, have gone on um, in terms of app development and um, app charging. Because there's a huge amount of apps that they're free, but then you, you were just bombarded with adverts and then constantly upsold various other different things once you're in there. Yeah. And then there are other ones that are kind of going more on that sort of, um, this, me and my B2B head, like more of that sort of SaaS model where you're yeah. kind of like paying, you know, monthly or annually yeah. for, a, for a service. Um, that's the way we're going because it seems to be the, the simplest way and I'm all about the simplest way the best way but it's got to be simple simple is good simple is yeah. good <laughs> so are you still relying on word of mouth marketing from the b2b side of things or are you um are you actively starting to market um what is it you're doing uh so we're I I'm literally just going through direct contact um uh which is yeah word of mouth uh and it's actually you know I'm speaking to really very large organizations just through that um so I'm, I'm keeping it to that right now while we're small, but we do have, uh, you know, a go-to-market plan and we will be putting, putting that in place and actively selling in um, after we've started turning over. Um, but yeah, it's word of mouth. I mean, the power of LinkedIn for me has just been incredible. Um, you know, I, I get investors messaging me saying, can I talk to you about investing? You know, and that that's something that, I had no idea how powerful LinkedIn was, especially because I come from a creative background. So for me, I was like, LinkedIn, I don't even know what it is. Um, but actually, it is it is an incredible tool um, when it comes to that. And, and even just marketing as well, like word of mouth marketing, it works very well on LinkedIn. 
So what was your light bulb moment uh, for LinkedIn and the realization that, you know, you actually need to pay attention to this platform and spend a bit of time on here? Um, well, basically, I mean, I did have quite a few people being like, are you on LinkedIn? And I was like, God, if people are asking me if I'm on this thing, I should be on it. Especially when I was in, you know, because I, I was, you know, I've been out of my depth since I started this. I do not come from a corporate background. I don't have any tech knowledge. I go into all these places and have conversations with people who are extremely good at their job or extremely senior. And they ask me all these questions and I'm like, mm, I don't know the answer to that. So I've had to learn it. And, you know, after a couple of people say, are you on LinkedIn? You're like, mm -hmm, I'm on LinkedIn. You go home, you get on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> but for me, you know, I posted a video. Um, I think I posted a picture which had some captions on it about what I was building and it got 20,000 views in 24 hours. And, and the same thing, you know, hi guys, you know, our MVP is ready to download. It's here, go check it out. You know, 500 downloads. Um, and for me, you know, because the main focus is B2B, LinkedIn is the best place to be. Uh, for, for our B2C point of view, we're, we're doing Instagram um, because we're, you know, sports, fitness, tech, but and, and visually that's quite interesting because we're building a brand. That's the best place to do it. But from a B2B point of view, I think it's when I got 20,000 views in 24 hours on, on a picture and I was like, oh, that's a lot of people for me. It is a lot of people and LinkedIn is a huge opportunity for so many people. It's something that I'm kind of, you know, banging my head against a brick wall for <laughs> certain audiences because uh, it's something that I teach on quite a lot. And everybody's like, well, why why are you teaching on, on LinkedIn? And why not just sort of focus more on the business development side of things, the marketing and the sales? Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, it's a complete no brainer. Like if you're working, if you've got a small business or if you're working in sales, business development, marketing, it is the platform that you can build so much credibility authority and influence for free yeah. it just requires your time it you know it's incredible it's also you know once you're heading into having like 1600 to 2000 contacts all you have to do is put one post out and you've reached all of them you don't have to write emails individual emails you don't have to and and what you get back is the people who are already engaged in what you're saying so you're not selling to somebody who doesn't want to be sold to those people just don't comment on that post so you've already, by, by putting a post down and having those people comment, you're like, these are the people I can approach to talk about business with. Um, and that for me was, yeah, amazing. But LinkedIn is an incredible platform. I agree with you. I think that if you're not on LinkedIn and you're trying to build a business, it's going to be impossible. Like LinkedIn is, is incredible for connections. And also you can get, in, you can actually message people, you know, to, you, they don't necessarily always answer, but you can message anyone. So you could, you know, get in touch with somebody who's incredibly senior and just ask them for help and they might just say yes. There you go. I love that. They might just say yes. So what's the worst that can happen in just asking? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, it's been so great having you on this podcast. Is there any, uh, do you have any kind of like parting words of wisdom that you want to share with our, our listeners or anything else that you want to add? Yeah, I'd say if you think that you can't do something, you can. If you think you're not qualified for something, learn it. Uh, there is literally nothing you can't do. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to build something that no one else has. And don't be afraid to hear no. You know, because actually, you know, I am somebody who has no experience doing what I'm doing right now. And I've managed to achieve a lot in eight months. And that's because I'm open about what I'm doing. Uh, I'm open about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing and lots of people help me. Um, but it's also because I have a vision uh, that a lot of people are buying into. And I think that it's, it's frightening 
to put yourself out there when you don't feel like you're qualified. Uh, and I've always had that through my life as I, like, you know, I don't have a degree and I'm like, ah. but actually, you know, you, there's nothing you can't learn. Nothing is rocket science and you don't need to learn everything in detail. You just need to learn it so you can understand it. And then you get someone who's really badass at it to do it for you. So yeah, don't, don't not do something because you don't feel qualified to do it, I guess. I think that's why I um, love everything that you're saying because I'm I'm exactly the same. I I went into university with all the best intentions of becoming an engineer and doing all these these mad things to then realise that wait a minute I don't actually like process and systems and detail <laughs> and things <laughs> and uh, you know uh, the the engineering route was never going to be for me. So then I never got any formal qualifications. But you know what? It has never stopped me doing anything that I've wanted to do so far. Um, and you can achieve whatever you want. So. Yeah, you just got to do it. Yep, you just got to get on and do it. Take ownership and responsibility for yeah, your exactly. actions. Yeah, <laughs> Perseverance does pay off, you know, when you're yes perseverance for sure for sure brilliant well it's been absolutely wonderful having you on this podcast um i will include all of the links and information on the show notes on my website which is charliewyman.com but if anybody wants to contact you uh jana and get in touch and find out more what's the best way that they can do that uh linkedin find me on linkedin and write me a message and i'll write back to you and do you prefer a personalized invite on linkedin uh, yeah, because then if then I'll know who you are. Otherwise, you'll just end up in in a box of I don't know who these people are, and then I'll look <laughs> at them when I have time. You know, so yeah, write me a message to say oh, I listened to you on the podcast. Love it, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I wish you all the very best for the future of your business, and can't wait to uh, follow your journey. Thank you. Thanks. When you're working on exciting projects in tech or trying to change the world, it's hard to focus on marketing and it might not seem like a big priority for you right now. Talking about what you're working on and the driving force behind why you're doing it will help you raise your profile in your industry and keep your audience up to date and interested. My goal for this podcast is to share the amazing things that businesses and individuals are working on that will shape the world of tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share it with the others that you think would benefit. If you liked it loads, then feel free to leave me a review. All the show notes and any links mentioned in today's episode will be available on my website. That's charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.